Well, thank you, Brother Terry. If you brought your Bibles this morning, please turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. I'm going to share one verse from Luke 11. I was praying this week what to preach and following the theme of serving. God spoke to my heart, uh, I guess, Friday and then yesterday and changed directions, or he changed directions for me. And then uh, this morning, I want to share with you a sermon of just entitled, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. On mission with God. We'll never be able to be on mission with God until we learn to pray. My goodness, a church on mission with God and not a praying church? A people on mission with God and not a praying people? What kind of mission is that? So if we want to have a good result with the mission with God, God came to redeem a lost world to himself. He's chosen us to be a part of that mission. He's given us a co-mission with him. And we have to be a praying people if we're going to fulfill the mission, if we're going to assist him in fulfilling the mission. And so on mission with God, Lord... Teach us how to pray. The disciples felt the same way in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. We want to look at that. It says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. You know, I found it quite interesting that those that were followers of God during this period of time prior to Jesus, John being one of them, had their own disciples. They had their own followers. The righteous did. John had his disciples. He taught his disciples how to pray. Jesus had his disciples. And so his, his disciples came to Jesus. They heard him praying at a distance perhaps and poured his heart out to the Heavenly Father. And when he finished, they wanted to be able to be... They wanted to be able to do the same thing in their life. So they just said to Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray as John taught his disciples. So Jesus began to teach them through the model prayer, their verses 2 and following on the issues of prayer. Now we're not going to read those verses. We may talk about them later on in coming weeks. But I want us to focus about this thing about teach us how to pray. You know, I I want us to look at perhaps the greatest discipline that God has ever placed in the life of a Christian. Now, we have several disciplines. Bible study is important. Witnessing is important. Uh, Just ministry is important. Serving is important. But the greatest discipline that we have as a Christian is prayer. Prayer. The discipline of prayer. And so I want to begin as pastor of this church to confess to you this morning that prayer is the Christian discipline that I struggle with the most. I'm not saying I don't pray, but I'm saying that I need to be better in my prayer life. I need to do better in my prayer life. I I, I struggle with the discipline of prayer. I mean, I, I need to... Pray more than I pray. I struggle with not praying as much as I should. I struggle not praying passionately as I should. I struggle not praying fervently as I should. I struggle not praying consistently as I should. I struggle from time to time with prayer. And because that's my weakest discipline, God has really been speaking to me in the past few weeks or months 
about the discipline of prayer. I hope I'm hitting home with some of you today. God's convicted me that prayer will be the catalyst that he will use to bring our nation back to him. We're wanting our nation to come back to God. We've prayed that this morning. We've prayed for our nation this morning. But God's going to use the prayer and repentance of his people to bring the nation back to him. He says that in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, that's us, who are called by my name, Christians, will humble themselves and do what? Pray and seek my face, then I'll hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sins and, and I'll heal their land. And so during this service this morning, we've prayed for our faith family. We've prayed for the physically sick. We've prayed for the spiritually sick. We've prayed for the bereaved. We've prayed for the military. We've prayed for the homebound. We've prayed for our nations. We're going to be praying throughout this week for our state missionaries. We're to be a people of prayer. Now, we're in a mess as a nation. However... Prayer is the key to taking care of that mess. We need to see that. Our homes are in a mess. Our marriages are in a mess. Social sins are destroying our lives. Our schools are in a mess. Our health care is in a mess. Our financial institutions are in a mess. We have drug and alcohol that are destroying our citizenry, whether it's children all the way through senior adults. Crime is at an all-time high. And with all that in mind, God says that our only hope from self-destruction is for us as his people to humble ourselves and pray to God of the Bible that he will forgive our sins and heal our land. It's about prayer. It's about prayer. It's about repentance. Now, with that, with that knowledge in mind, I found that few of our leaders in our state government and our national government are refusing to do what God has asked us to do in order to bring our country back to what it once was. The point is God has given us a way out of this mess. He's given us a way out of our misery as a nation. And the way out is the righteous, the redeemed, are to humble themselves and pray. So if you take your notes, point number one is there's a call to prayer. Several calls throughout the Bible, but I refer specifically this morning to 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. So not only is there a call to prayer, there's a foundation of prayer. Foundation of prayer. The greatest privilege of life and the greatest source of power on earth is what? Prayer. The greatest privilege we have is to talk to a heavenly father, to the creator God. That's a great privilege. And the power that comes with that. And God listens to our prayer and answers our prayer. And the power that he exercises over our lives and the people and the things that we pray for is just something to behold. You say, well, what is prayer, Brother Sammy? Well, it's real simple. Prayer is talking with God. Prayer is talking to God. Prayer is listening to God. Prayer is communicating with God. In order to have communication, you have to have someone to talk, speak, someone to listen. So I speak, God listens, God speaks, I listen. You have that communication. Sometimes we talk so much that we fail to listen to God. And that's where the communication fails. 
So prayer is listening to God, communicating with God. Prayer is also asking and receiving. But above all, make a note that prayer is just a relationship between us and holy God. It's a relationship. Prayer, my friend, listen, is, is a gift from God that gives us the right and the privilege of talking to God Almighty anywhere, anytime, without any prior authorization from anybody. Anytime you want to talk to God, school, work, wherever it might be, God's already given you the authorization to do that. It don't have to be voted on, it don't have to be approved. You just rear back and talk to God. That's prayer. So there's a call to prayer. Secondly, their prayer is communication with God the Creator. That's what prayer is. But I jotted down something else. Number three, prayer is universal in time and in space. Prayer is universal in time. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, let me share with you how prayer came into existence. You see, after the creation of the world, the Bible says Adam had fellowship with God. Now, not long after Adam walked and talked with God, then he had a companion. Her name was Eve. And so Adam and Eve had fellowship with God. They walked together. They talked together. That's praying. Walking and talking are just talking and listening to God. That's prayer. And so God and Adam and Eve, they enjoyed this fellowship. They enjoyed this relationship before the fall. Now, Adam and Eve had two sons. You remember their names, Cain and Abel. Now, Cain slew Abel. The Bible says he murdered Abel because his deeds were, his, Cain's deeds were evil and Abel's were righteous. And Cain had some jealousy in regards to Abel because he felt Abel was closer to God than he was. And so... Abel was righteous before God's eyes and obviously before Cain's eyes, and so Cain killed his brother. But God gave Adam and Eve another son. His name was Seth. Now, the word Seth is an interesting word because it means appointed. Now, Seth was appointed, his name, Seth, appointed. Seth was appointed by God to take the place of Abel the righteous one. And so it was this line, it was this righteous Abel, it was this righteous Seth that God would introduce a new dimension of fellowship into human history called prayer. And so he's using Seth, the righteous one again, to bring about this new dimension of fellowship into human history. So Seth had a son, and his son was named Enos. And the word Enos means man, it means weakness, it means mortality. So Adam, the word name Adam means, means man, and now man is Enos, which is man in his weakness, man in his mortality. And so as the awareness of sin began to 
permeate the minds of those that lived on earth during this period of time, during this new generation. They began to reach out to the only source that could help them meet their needs. They knew that sin had brought a separation between them and God, and they were going through difficult times in their life, and they knew, just like we do, they knew the only source of help would be Almighty God. And so the point is, Enos, weak and frail and mortal, began something that has never ended. Look, if you will, it may be on your screen, I believe Joel has it, Genesis chapter 4, jot this down, verse 26. Genesis 4, verse 26. And to Seth, to him also, there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Now notice this, you can underline this. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. So that's when mankind began to pray. And it started there with Enos. Now notice what he says. He says, and and he called his name Enos, then began men to do what? To call. Now remember that word, that's, that's an important word, to call. The word call there, the, the, the Hebrew word is a strong action verb, which means to cry out, it means to call aloud. The point is that the word cry is used to make a specific request. And so men, or mankind, began to make requests. They began to call out to the Lord. So in the Old Testament, people used to cry out to God for help. Now the point was the calling on the name of the Lord would kindly would characterize the people of God from the time of Enos forward. They were people who would cry out to their God. They would be people who prayed to their God. Started there with Enos. And it continues today with God's people. It continued with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 8. The Bible says that Abraham called out. Genesis 12, verse 8. Joel has it on the screen. And he removed from thence into a mountain, speaking of Abram, into the east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and high on the east, and there he built an altar unto the Lord, and there's the word, and he called upon the name of the Lord. He called out, he made requests, he prayed. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7, Moses is about to give his farewell speech, and Moses asked the nation Israel a question. He says, for what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh him or to them, as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for. There's the word call, request. It's not you're hollering out, but you're making requests. You're, you're praying. And in 1 Samuel 12, Samuel called on the Lord. In 2 Samuel 22, David called on the Lord. And that's the Old Testament. You say, well, Brother Samuel, that's the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? What about the praying in the New Testament? Well, people not only called out to God... In the Old Testament, in the New Testament, but in the New Testament, they began to call out to Christ. See? An example of this is a quote from Peter uh, in Acts chapter 2, 
verse 21, I believe it is. Acts 2, verse 21. Notice the screen. Jot that verse down. Acts 2, verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he called on God, and now they're calling on the Lord. They're making requests unto the Lord. And that was a quote from Joel 2, verse 32. We won't look at that passage. But in Romans 10, verse 13, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So in the Old Testament, they called on God. In the New Testament, they called on God. Then they began to call on the name of the Lord. And so, listen, friend, you may pray and not be saved because of your insincerity. But you'll never be saved without praying. You must call on the name of the Lord. The point is, from the dawn of history, the greatest men and women that you find in the Bible, they were men and women of prayer. From Genesis to Malachi, from Matthew to Revelation, there's biblical record that the saints, the the men and women of God constantly, constantly called on God or they constantly prayed. And even, to, even the next to the last verse in the Bible, Revelation 22, verse 20, after the great invitation, you have the prayer, even so come, Lord Jesus. See, that's prayer. So throughout the Bible, prayer has sustained God's people. So there's a call to prayer for Christians. Second Chronicles 7, 14, there are others. Prayer is communication with God, the Creator. Prayer is universal in time. It's from the, from the very beginning of Adam and Eve in the garden, even in the present day. But not only is it universal in time, but it's also prayer is universal in space. Prayer Prayer has no geographical boundaries. You know, I can pray in Romania or in Nicaragua or wherever it is. And sometimes I begin to think of all the people in the world that are calling on God at the same time. What a mighty God we have that can, that can cycle through all of those prayers. But he's God. He can do that. So praying is not geographical. has no geographical boundaries, no geographical lines, has no racial lines. None whatsoever has no ethnic lines, no boundaries whatsoever. So the point is, all of us can pray. Speaking of all, that word all is a very important word in the Bible. Look, if you will, at Psalm 65. I believe I have it marked here. It's on your screen. It should be Psalm 65, verse 2, says this. O thou that hearest prayer, speaking of God. Psalmist said, O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. All mankind can come before you. You that hear the prayers, all mankind. John 3, 16, for whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Whosoever is really not a restricted word. In, in the Bible, in God's Word. Jesus, the Bible says, is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. 
1 John 2, verse 2. John 12, verse 32, Jesus said, I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, shall be saved, Romans 10, verse 13. So all, whosoever, is not a restricted word in God's book. However, not everyone in our world knows our God. They can't communicate with him. They don't know him. They, they try their misguided ways to find salvation. I was reading a book by T.W. Hunt. He made this comment about those who do not know our God. Listen to this, and I'll quote. I've traveled in many lands on many continents, leading conferences for nationals and missionaries. The missionaries have shown me expressions of the local religion or religions they work with. Many times I've visited Hindu, Buddhist, and Thais, temples, Shinto, shrines, and Muslim mosques. I've seen animist embols that dominated an area. I gradually began to realize that the fundamental difference between Christianity and all other religions is that Christianity alone is based on a personal relationship, expressed especially in a personal love. In other religions, I discovered superstitions, stringent laws, sometimes multiple gods, and even uh, manipulation of the gods but not interaction with their gods on a constant personal level. The elements of personal love is strongly emphasized only in Christianity. The Great Commission commands us to tell the people of the world about Christ, that he can save them from their sins, that they call on him, our Heavenly Father, who wants to hear from them, and they can receive help from him and enjoy his fellowship when they pray, but they absolutely do not know they can talk to our God. They can't communicate with him. So there's a call to pray. Prayer is a communication with God. Prayer is universal in time and in space. And I'm going to close with this. Prayer can be taught. It can be taught. Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. The church is to teach It's people, how to pray. Parents need to be able to teach their children how to pray. Have you prayed with your children? Are you praying with your children? One thing I'll always remember growing up, especially as a young child, even into my teenage years, my mother and I prayed. My my dad usually was out and he was gone, but at night when it's time for me to go to bed, my mother would come and we would pray. Praying at night with my mother. And when our children came along, Judy and I prayed with our children. We prayed, in the, we prayed at night before we went to bed. The next morning, we had a circle around the kitchen. We held hands. We took prayer requests that morning, and then we prayed. And then if there was a test coming up, we prayed before we got out of the car again. Parents, God's given your children to teach them how to pray. And if you don't teach them how to pray, they're no different than a person in a foreign land that don't know they can talk to God. I was going to preach on serving, and God just really burdened my heart continually about 
my prayer life. And then something happened this week that really, really spoke to me. And it was our daughter shared with us about their devotion time. Our granddaughter Judah was adopted by our daughter and son-in-law, Corey and Shane, about three years ago, close to it. And Judah's mother, her biological mother, she, they, they agreed to adopt her when she was born, but they couldn't go after her until she was two and a half. And her mother was Buddhist. Judah's, uh, Judah's uh, Taiwanese name is Young Ting. Her Christian name is Judah. Judah Taylor Clay. And so Corey shared this week how we'd been teaching Judah first how to, how to pray, hold her hands and pray. And Judah was born with a, with a health problem. It's a form of a CP. It's uh, called dystonia. She's not able to walk yet. That's a new wheelchair she got about two weeks ago. And she's four years old, and she started a pre-K this week, or she registered. So they were having their devotional time this past week. And so they, they go into the living room, and of course, we always go in, and Canaan reads the Scripture. And Canaan wanted to read the Scripture, and so they gave the passage. And then they take prayer requests. And Shane, our son-in-law, you know, he's, he said, well, pray that we'll have a good season and pray that none of the players get hurt. Canaan's request was, Canaan said, well, my request is that I'm not fearful at school. He's changed schools. He's in sixth grade now, new people, new school. Just pray that I won't be afraid at school. Okay. And Corey said, well, I want God to just help me to, Cain said, I want God to help me not be afraid. Cain and uh, Shane said, I want God to help me to have a good season, take care of my players. Of course, said, I want God just to let me have a good day, strengthen me from day to day. And she said, who wants to lead our prayer? And, and, she's, and then Judah said, me, me, me. She's learning how the voice works. Me. And she said, Judah, she said, you want to make a request? And she said, yeah. She said, what's your request? And she pointed down to her leg. And she said, walk. Walk. That kind of puts it all in perspective, don't it? And Corey said, Dad, she said, we were asking all that stupid stuff. And here's Judah just wanting to walk. You see, Judah's mom and dad, they've taught her the necessity to pray. And they've taught her how to love God. And they've taught her the provisions of God. And they've taught her the power of God in her life. She realized that. She realized it. Judah knows that God's given us our children, to teach them how to pray. Now, she may never walk here on this earth, but she will one day. And I just got something tucked away in my heart that I believe she will hear because of her faith in her God. 
There's a call to prayer. Prayer is communication. Universal in time and space, and prayer can be taught. Now this morning, it's time for some of you to pray. Your prayer life might have been like mine. Mine's improving. How's your prayer life? I mean, you may need today call on Jesus Christ to come into your life and save you. He will if you'll just be willing to ask him. It's a free gift. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a prayer. That's a prayer. Now, you may pray that prayer and not be sincere, and a lot of people do that. God knows your heart. But you'll never be saved without praying and asking God to save you. Some need to call on Jesus. Some need to repent. Some need to pray in regards to where you want me to serve, Lord, in the church. You prayed over the list. Is it in the choir? You bet, are you balking on God? Are you balking on God? Is God dealing with you some way and, and it's because you're just out of fellowship with God and you're going to show God? I, I know who win that. I tried that with my mom a lot of times. My mom, would, she would spank me with her hand. You know what I'd say? She'd discipline me. And then I'd say something like this. That didn't hurt. I did. Y'all said, that sounds like you. No, I said that. And you know what? It, it, she used stronger discipline. And it, and it got to hurt. That other discipline did. And that's what God does. He's disciplining you now. And, and you say, man, forget it. That, that don't hurt. I can, I can make it through this. No, it's going to get worse. If you belong to him, Hebrews chapter 11 and 12. So this morning you may just want to come pray. Come and call on him to come into your life and save you. I'll be here to share with you, to rejoice with you, and I won't embarrass you. I'll just be able to talk with you. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Father, as we come to the close of this service, the most important parts right now is people make a decision in what they've heard. I pray, Lord, that those of you spoken to in regards to being saved, Lord, that they'd call upon you right where they're sitting. Lord, that they would just say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Today I turn from my sins, put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, you, Lord. And I ask you to please forgive me. Have mercy on me. Come into my life and save me. Lord, I pray that you give them assurance you'll do just that. Others may want to come and pray for a loved one, a friend or a neighbor. Some may want to come after praying in their seed and just in rededication of life. Some may want to be, some may be praying now about where to serve in church, in the body, wherever. Don't let us be stubborn. But Lord, speak to our hearts. Thank you for an opportunity we have to communicate with the God of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Tears gonna leave.